Next Chapter Podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The 500, the 500, J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend, the king of peace for Angelo, talking the 500 until the end, talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. It's The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston from her self-titled debut record from 1985. And, I mean, we're moving along, dude. We're almost at the halfway point. 257. 257 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What is up? We're fucking doing it. We're doing it. We're getting close. Isn't it crazy that close is still, like, four years away? I think I'm going to finish it. I think I'm going to do it. I really do. Um, I'm having fun again, you know? Thank you for tuning in to the only podcast where a comedian's going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. It's the 2012 list, the 2020 list. We were already, like, deep into it, but uh, we are moving along. I am going on the road with Jelly Roll all summer, July 28th through October 15th. You can see me at an arena uh, all throughout the lower 48 with uh, Jelly Roll, Yellow Wolf, 3-6 Mafia. My lips are so chapped from this Accutane. My skin looks great, but my lips are chapped. July 14th, I'll be in Pittsburgh with Steve Byrne doing a jam. I'll be doing the nine-year anniversary of the goddamn comedy jam in um, in LA on July 16th and July 17th, I'm doing a shimmy. Those are gonna be the last ones that I do until October. Uh, the nine year anniversary, dude, we have Bill Burr, Nick Swartzen, Brittany Furlon, my ex-girlfriend is gonna be performing with her husband, Tommy Lee. So it is gonna be good, man. I, I don't even know what I'm gonna say. Like, hey, how you doing? Uh, let's go, wanna compare dicks? Wanna compare schwanzes? Uh, and then I'm doing Toronto, uh, July 20th and the 21st. I'm almost positive. If, if people have been asking me, I'm pretty sure it's the Comedy Bar and Levity. July 21st, the Comedy Bar in Toronto, and July 22nd, Levity Comedy Club in Hamilton. I'm not gonna do my shot. That's gonna rule, man. So we'll see you out there, okay? Uh, subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, if you if you listen to this podcast, we need your money. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. You can ask questions, you get free merch, and, and you get the video. So subscribe to the Patreon. 
Also subscribe to my social media at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. I post clips three to four times a week, uh, building a nice following and go to joshadammyers.com for tickets. You want to talk about the record? Love of all inside of me. I used to be able to do that. I can't do it anymore. Uh, Whitney Houston, uh, some of the greatest performances of my lifetime. One of the greatest singers uh, ever to do it. And uh, and today we have a comedian that I am so happy I got to sit down and talk with. The one and only Kim Whitley. You know her from History of the World Part 2, Moesha, Black Dynamite, House Party 4, Beauty Shop. I could go on and on, but my, my favorite role of hers is playing the prostitute that rides in the HOV lane with Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, she also has a new show entitled Act Your Age that's currently on Bounce. Uh, listen to her Two Funny Mamas podcast with Sherry Shepard, who I love, and check out her Audible original, Kim. And now that being said, here's the statistics. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Listen free, leave a review. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group. For all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. You might have to dig through a bunch of bullshit that's on there because they made it the most confusing website you're ever going to see, but it's there. Just dig. And uh, I think that's it. You want to do this, y'all? Whitney Houston by Whitney Houston at 257. You know, you played one of my favorite characters in the history of television when you played Monina on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And this is what I love about you is everything you do, you steal the scene every time without even trying you're the you could be up there with some of the biggest actors in the world and it doesn't make a difference when you hit the screen your energy your light just shines and oh. and i mean it's a pleasure it really is oh thank you joshy oh my pleasure i, I said joshy that's my son's name you say that trust me oh, my mom calls me joshy my mom calls me jawa 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 yeah wait i is don't that- know like Maybe. Hebrew or no, something? No, I think it's from Star Wars. I remember the little Jawas. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> that, that, that's entertaining. What are you up to now before we even jump into Whitney? Like, you know, please promote away everything you have going on because, you know, you just got such an incredible career. You're always working. Are you taking time off or are you just hitting the streets and just working? I need to take time off. I really, yeah. really do. Um, I am just finished a movie called uh, Re-Election with Tony Danza down south. I uh, just came back from Baton Rouge uh, doing stand-up. Me and uh, Sherry Shepard are on tour. With Love two Sherry. Mama. Yes, Sherry, so crazy. She rules. Uh, we have a uh, podcast called Two Funny Mamas. That's won two uh, NAACP Image Awards. So that we, actually, when I get off with you later today, we will be doing that. And, um, oh my gosh, I have a, uh, it's called a podcast, but I call it a sitcom for your ears. Uh, <laughs> it's called Kim, K-Y-M, on Audible. Uh, and Lena Waithe uh, produced it. And it's a series uh, like my um, my series I did on OWN called Raisin Whitley. But this one is, you know, actors and voice and uh, very funny. And um, you know what? Trying to just really do stand up now. I did take off from the acting yeah, and, you know, now there's a writer's strike. It's, you know, a little different. Um, but just doing stand up and, and out there, you know, 
Good, good. Is Tony Danza as great as everybody? My best friend, remember Mike Barbarisi, Jeremiah? Like Mike Barbarisi's mom like grew up with Tony Danza. And <laughs> it, that was like my first like Kevin Bacon, you know, one degree as a kid. You're like, oh my God, I know somebody that knows Tony Danza, the boss, <laughs> the real boss. Yeah. The man. Yeah, he, he is the man. What I didn't know about him is that he could sing. Oh, Did you yeah. Know? I didn't know that. Where, where, where have I been? I don't know. I feel like I've seen him talk, like sing on every talk show he's ever done. They're like, so Tony, you want to do a song? All right, how you doing? All right. And then he comes out. He's like, <laughs> he's like, start spreading the news. It's all yes, like crooner yes, stuff. Yeah, right. Yes. And he plays the is it the ukulele, that itty bitty guitar. Right, now you're now you're introducing me to something completely new. No, I had no I'm idea. <laughs> but I love that no, you call a ukulele an itty bitty guitar. It's a little car. <laughs> and he played that every time they said cut. And he was self-taught and he plays that thing and he was singing. Yeah, I was shocked. I actually have a video. I'm going to have to post a video with him singing to me. I love it. Do you sing? I, I have the voice of a singer. I have the deep, raspy voice. I don't have the ear of a singer. Really? Would you have any just have you been asked to sing before and you've just fucked it up? <laughs> uh, every time. I, the rhythm is bad. Uh, my new oh how could I forget that that's the craziest thing ever I'm on a new show crazy Kim uh, called Act Your Age uh, uh, and it's on Bounce TV and it comes on every Saturday night at 8 p.m. and it's it broke records uh, first night was uh, 2.14 million viewers and we wow. stayed steady yeah and uh, Bounce is like you're the highest rated show and blah blah. And I don't know how I could forget mentioning that in the beginning because I'm doing that right yeah. now. Um, but they asked me to sing and it was a TLC song. And, you know, what about your friends? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a different kind of cadence and rapping. I was horrible. They were laughing because Tisha Campbell could sing and Nicole Brown. Yeah. They could sing all these Broadway girls. And, and I was like, <laughs> I can't do it. It was like a karaoke situation. I was frustrated. It was rough. <laughs> what about your friends? It was hard. It was difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it was difficult. So it's so funny, like, because I'm a, I'm a, I wouldn't say classically trained singer, but it's just music has always been something that has been in my life. And I've been singing since I was a little kid and I sing in my stand up and I just, that's just who I am. And then, you know, when you talk about some of the greatest voices in the history of music, and I think almost every time, if you're going through like a top 10 or a top five, and no, and no more past that, the person that we're talking about today is on there with Whitney Houston. And like, I, I'm 43, mm -hmm. so I was alive during her rise to fame, but I just remember Whitney suddenly being there and being this enormous celebrity and this enormous force in music, um, you know, I, 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 I think we're roughly the same age. I'm, I'm not sure, but that sounds, yeah, that sounds okay. good. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Tell me, <laughs> well, tell a little me. older, a little older, but I was there too. So you, but so if I'm not oh, mistaken, look at your tattoos. Put your arm up again. Put your which arm. One, up again. Which ones? I've got. I've oh, got a bunch. Yeah, put them all up. That's I got. I got Simpsons characters as Clockwork Orange characters. I have a combination of Lenny Bruce and Axl Rose. I have Pee Wee's Playhouse stuff for my dog. And then I just oh, have wow. Maryland stuff, Maryland and DC stuff all over my arms. Oh, I love and I, and I have and I have Miles Davis right here because I'm a huge fan. 
Oh, exciting. And oh. over there in the corner, right over there, that's Otis Redding. And over there is Miles. Because oh, you, you are deep into music. I love that. Uh, music oh. is, is everything. It's like, you know, somebody told me early on in my stand-up career to lean into whatever you are. And and I just, I love music such a part. I hear music nonstop. I go to concerts. I just, I write music. I just, I just love it. And I think when you really start leaning into who you are, especially as a performer, then you're an individual and then nobody can take your shit and nobody can do anything other than just be like, Oh, when I think of that, I think of this guy. And, and wow, so thank you. Now so I'm back, back to prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like Whitney was just always there. I, you yes. know, like, so you grew up, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up uh -huh. where in, in Ohio, Ohio, yeah. you grew up in Ohio. Um, like tell me about when you first got into Whitney Houston. Oh my gosh, when I first got into Whitney Houston, it had to be for, before The Preacher's Wife. Um, it was probably, Whitney hit the scene, she was a you know, young girl, but I wanna, it's hard to say, was it, I wanna dance with somebody? What, it, it, I, you know, the thing is like, she just came on the scene. Yeah. And I think, you know, her first, her first album, um, when she came out and it, it could have been I mean, saving all my love for you. I, I think, yeah. you no, know, Whitney hit the scene and she was cute, but she had this energy about her. When you saw her, it was a light. It was like this energy that, of this young girl who I felt like we was the same age, you know, but it, you know, you see her and I was like, who is, who is this girl with this voice and this energy? So um, I, I would say around that time that her first album that uh, I heard her voice, but then you, I saw her on television. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Mwah. Have you ever seen her live or anything like that? Did you ever get to experience Whitney in person? Uh, yeah, I've, I've experienced Whitney <laughs> many times. Really? Oh, in concerts. Uh, I've hung out with Whitney. Um, uh, Whitney is uh, uh, nippy. Uh, you know, uh, she uh, was a force. I mean, she just, her personality, her music, you know, I think she was, you know, of course, very young uh, when she started. So I think I know when you start that young and you get caught up in this thing called fame, 
it's a it's a very difficult thing to navigate. Uh, you get, you need therapy. You need people who are not yes people, people who are saying this is not good. This, you know, I think that's what it is. But her voice was so pure, and no one could touch her, even though they thought they could. I don't know if anyone can touch her to this day, except that little girl. What's her name? She's awesome too. So I can't. I, I, Ariana Grande. How did you know what I was trying to say? Because there's a thing about Ariana where you hear her voice and you hear some of the notes that she can hit. And, you know, thinking about like, I know it's not Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is a great songwriter, but it's not like her voice is, you know, nobody talks about Taylor Swift in the discussion. Nobody, you know, there's so many great singers out there, but, but what she's able to do, you know, in this record, you know, knowing how old she was when she made this, I think she was around 18, 19. If you want to double check that math for me, Jeremiah, but Mm -hmm. like, this is, this is the perfect instance of someone seeing an artist, uh, you know, Clive Davis being one of the one of the biggest music producers and, and most, you know, influential people in music, Mm -hmm. seeing Whitney at this club in New York city and saying like, this is going to be the next big superstar and, and going from, you know, all right, well, we got to get all these great producers and stuff to work with her. And, and, you know, we, you know, they're, them them budgeting $200,000, but but then being like, you know what, it, it doesn't make a difference how much this balloons out. I trust this artist and this voice so much. And I mean, if you look at her on the cover of this record, I mean, she is a child. She is a child. She is a a baby. And, and, and to go, you know, this becomes one of the biggest selling records of that year. I wanted to ask you, who is your Clive Davis? Like who is somebody that really helped you? Like, Oh, I was going to say, well, you know, first of all, you know, that, how well i mean legend has it that sissy faked being sick to get whitney on stage that night to take her place you know that's the story no wait, wait remind me of that please because yeah. I've, I've, I've heard i haven't watched the movie i i have i could read it but if you know it please tell it well, i don't know if that's even in the movie but sissy uh was supposed to perform that night in that club and she heard that Clive was in the audience, the big, big, big wig. And she was like, I need him to see. So she went in the back and told Whitney, I can't do it. I can't sing. I need you to do it. And Whitney is like, no, wait, what are you talking about? She was like, you got to, you got to, you know, step in for me. So she threw Whitney out on stage because she knew Clive was in the audience. And that's how he got to see her because he would have completely missed her. Because she was not scheduled to perform that night. Really? Yeah. Who who's your sissy then? Wow. Wow. <laughs> My sissy would be Marla Gibbs. Uh I would say, yeah. My my sissy would be, yeah, Marla Gibbs. One of the greatest sitcom actresses of all time. So that's a good sissy <laughs> to have. Yeah. I, how does she how does she help you? How did she how did she put you out there? Like, was it you know, what was she, take me there. Well, what she did do was save me from quitting. Um, I had just gotten out here and uh, I absolutely, uh, there's, I guess, a couple of sissies, but uh, I looked like Jack A from 227. And at the time, 
uh, Marla was doing, 227, and I had come out here with the group, uh, um, look at my mind, with, I went, came out here with Gerald LaVert, and at that time, you know, he was with uh, LaVert, the group, mm-hmm. and we had gone, while I was here at Soul Train, then I went over to 227 to the set. Uh, because I had heard I looked like this this woman. Everybody at home would say, you look like uh, Jack A, you look like her. So I went over to the set and I was just sitting in the audience. And, you know, uh, Simone Sheffield, big manager with Stevie Wonder, et cetera, back in the day. Uh, now she produces movies. But she said, I got a question. She said, is this Jack? And I'm t- this is maybe that's my sissy. She literally was like, is this Jack A's sister? <laughs> in the audience. And I would have never, had she never said that, Wow. I would have never gone to the back. I'd have never, I just went to see. And they made me stand up. And Marla Gibbs saw me and said, Can you come after the after the show? Can you come to the back? And after that, you know, I went back to Cleveland and they asked me to come back to LA to uh stand in uh for Jack A. And some things happened on the set that weren't kind. And Marla Gibbs grabbed me and brought me in a closet. And at the time I knew nothing about television. And I remember looking up and there was no roof on the closet. And I was like, oh my God, we're in the closet. We're being secretive, but there's there's a whole- (laughs) There's all these lights. (laughs) There's all these lights. I was like, what are these lights? And I remember, and Marla Gibbs in that closet had a conversation with me that changed my trajectory and my, you know, way I thought about things. And she told me, don't let anybody stand in your way. Uh, Don't let these threats scare you. This was after I had come back and I was filming and some threats had been made and things happened. And just from that time, I, cause I, I called my mother. I was like, I'm coming back to Cleveland. I can't take it. You know, I'm getting, you know, I'm scared and getting threats and blah, 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 blah. You know, there were some bullies around. So Marla really uh, encouraged me to stay here. And here I am now. Wow. Wow. Something must have gone down on t- 227, dude. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad Marla was here. Marla seems like, I mean, she's just, everything she did, she was perfect in. And and just, you know, I mean, I've, obviously I've never met her, but wow. like you feel like you know her from, from, you know, all the TV shows that I've spent hours watching. Oh, yeah. Um, and, we just and good. Did, yeah, History of the World together. Oh, really? Yeah, did you get to work? Did you get to meet Mel Brooks? Was he there on set at all or? No, I got, I missed him. He was not on set, but he came to the uh, actual um, premiere but I actually had another premiere of my other show at the same time. Good so God. I, so I, just, I went to Act Your Age and then I left there and I went to, they just premiered the same night. And then I went to History of the World Part Two. So they said, I just missed him, but he was there. Oh my God. History of the World is one of my favorite movies. That was one of the movies that my dad, like that young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, all the, yes. all the early Mel Brooks movies my dad used to show me when I was a kid. And that's somehow, some way, one of the reasons I'm here doing what I do and talking to you right now. I um, agree. I yeah. Agree. And, and God, but honestly, hashtag Marla Gibbs rules to all the, <laughs> when you tag this, we love Marla. All right. Yeah. Let's let's find out a little bit about this record. And then I have a bunch of questions I want to ask you about this record and about, you know, both of our love 
for the incredible Whitney Houston. So, all right, here it is. So the album had a slow rise to the top of the pop charts, debuting at 166 on the Billboard 200 before making its way up to number one and staying there for 14 non-consecutive weeks in 1986. The album went on to become the top-selling record of 1986 and later was certified diamond with over 10 million copies sold in the United States. It also had international success, achieving multi-platinum status and reaching the top spot on the pop charts in multiple countries, leading to a sale of over 22 million worldwide. That's a debut album at 22. I mean, there's not many. I mean, like, I think Guns N' Roses' Appetite, you know, Jeremiah, check that for me. Find out sure. what the what the biggest debut records are, because I, I'm, I can just spit numbers, but I'm probably going to be wrong. This also led to her winning two American Music Awards in 86 and five more in 87. Uh, Basically, it was the first album by a female artist to be number one on the Billboard year-end album charts. It was the first album by a black female artist to reach number one in Australia when it topped the charts for 11 consecutive weeks. Um, It goes on to where it beats uh, Tina Turner's Private Dancer, uh, becoming the best-selling studio album by a black female artist of all time. And then the 28th Grammy Awards, Whitney Houston received four nominations, Album of the Year, Best Female Vocal Pop Performance for Saving All My Love for You, Best Female R&B Vocal Performance for You Give Me, You Give Good Love, and Best Rhythm and Blues Performance for the same song. And one, well, Houston's first Grammy, Best Vocal Pop Performance in a Female. Um, it's it's so funny, in, a, in an album of of so many hits I, I you know and you mentioned a couple of the songs earlier greatest love of all oh, which yeah. iconically was sang by eddie murphy in coming to america which I, I i think when you sing greatest love of all like you have to sing it the eddie way <laughs> like you know there's this, let's give a sense of pride <laughs> Me inside of me. <laughs> Sex and chocolate. Sex and chocolate. That boy is good. I mean, arguably one of the greatest, you know, songs ever made. It was written for uh, the Muhammad Ali biopic, The Greatest of the Same Year. Um, before I jump into some of these questions, I mean, let's just look at the singles from this record. There's how many songs on this record? There are, there are, 10 songs they released six singles from the seven hold me you give good love all at once saving all my love for you thinking about you how will i know greatest love of all do you remember hearing greatest love of all back in the day when it came out in like 86 what was that like what was that like you're in ohio obviously like what is that like you know amongst the community uh to hear an artist like whitney houston doing the greatest love of all you when Wendy opens her mouth and the greatest love of all, I'm trying to think where I was. I think I was, I was in Ohio. No, I might've been in DC, but I was out of college, just out of college or out of college or something like that. But I remember it made you feel it just made you feel proud. It was really, you would sing it all the time. And I think it's because it's the Whitney way, the way she sings, uh, because we've heard that song. It, it, but the greatest love of all, uh, ugh, I think it just made me 
feel happy and kind of sad, you know, because you think about that. I don't know if I had anybody at that time, you yeah. know, and you're thinking about God, you're thinking about all the things that, you know, that could, that song can touch in your life. And I, th I think Whitney could sing the alphabet and we would say, oh my God, do you remember the alphabet song? Oh, <laughs> it's that, it's that kind of thing. I don't even think we know the words. You just are just, and, and you, you know, you, you kind of try to sing it in the car, but I think it's because Whitney sang it. That is the truth. Because to be honest with you, you know what the most popular, okay. If you ask me, so we go to greatest love. I don't even know if I'm, Think about if you said what's Kim, what, what's your favorite Whitney song? Yeah, tell me that. It's going. This is really the favorite song for Black people. For the Whitney Houston, the national anthem. Oh, dude! I, that, that, that you, dude. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Because uh, I was one of my questions was what would be your favorite Whitney moment in her career, oh. and I don't think you can talk about Whitney without, you know, we're we're at war with Iraq, the Super Bowl, you know, I think it, I'm pretty sure it was Buffalo versus the Giants, which is a great Super Bowl by the way. Yes. Uh, he missed Scott Norwood misses the field goal, Giants win, but no one gave a fuck about that. Everybody cared about. I mean. You know, I've, I've I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were saying that it was pre-recorded. I'm like, there's no way that was pre-recorded. Like you can see it in the way that she, even at the end, the way that she puts one arm up and then every arm, and the fucking jets fly over. And I, I mean, that is, I, I think when, yeah, I, you look, you could say, you know, I will always love you. You can say greatest love of all. Uh, I, I'll put the national anthem up there. What was that like seeing Whitney Houston do the national anthem in that time? I mean, what did that do to you? It, you know, it just made you proud it, as a black woman, you know, as a black person, but then a black woman and you see Whitney Houston because black people, you know, other than was Marvin Gaye, uh, black people were not singing the national anthem. And when black people sing the national anthem, it is not traditional. Yeah, Mar Marvin, <laughs> Marvin Gaye's was like eight minutes long. And the Simpsons did a really funny sketch about that, where it's like, when they, when they pop, snapple, crack up in the sky. <laughs> Bob's oh birth, pop, 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 pop in the sky. Oh, I got to see that. That's Hilarious. hysterical. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, you know, when Whitney, I mean, everyone, you have to understand, they sold that. I think they sold it on VHS. I don't know if CDs were out then, but every, you could buy it. Yeah. Everyone was buying it. I think it was maybe a CD, like you could play it in your car. All my friends, we all had that, like it was the, her newest hit because it was, an, it was a historical moment for black people. I mean, just, and I think, like you said, we were at, there was a war, there was, it was just a moment in time that you will never forget especially for music. And, and it was because her voice, her voice is so incredible. It really and, is. And she's singing about the country. I think that's what it was. And I think I think for for all uh, uh, people in, in, in the United States, I don't care what color, nationality, anything. I think that was a moment. She she had a career full of moments, though. I, I, I think like that was it, it, there's something about Whitney that is this incredible story 
of this young woman being discovered with this powerful voice, getting the right producer, the right everything to take her in her career, having these these moments. You mentioned The Preacher's Wife, which is a little bit later, but mm-hmm. The Bodyguard, which was, you know, that soundtrack's one of the biggest soundtracks of all time, and it's all because of Whitney and I Will Always Love You, yes. which I just found out that, that Dolly Parton wrote I will always love you and Jolene on the same day within like a couple hours of one another, two of the you know greatest songs written in American history. Um, but no one gave a crap about those. We, when you, when you think of, I will always love you, you think of Whitney in a career full of so many singles, like what would you consider her biggest hit? You know, is it the national anthem or is it, you know, I'm trying to remember, like, I mean, she's got like four of them on this record. Uh, the greatest love of all. How will I know? I, I want to dance with somebody. I want to like, dance with somebody. I will always love you. I, I got it. I, I, they have to be. I don't know. Saving all my love for you was pretty good too. But I, I will always love you. I feel like that is the number one, number one song because as soon as you hear it you know immediately what that song is. And it has one of the best musical breaks in musical history. You know how she stops singing? And it oh, just yeah. goes, it's, it's, it's like anticipation, like it just goes quiet. And then it goes, pop. And then it Oh my God, like it takes you emotionally because of that musical break. I don't know if yeah. that's a producer thing, if that's a singing thing. But I think that song, because it emotionally, it, first of all, the clarity of her voice, the, the, the words, but it, and combined, if you saw the movie, you know, and Kevin, you just, everything goes together. But that little musical break right there makes you want to pass out. Yeah, it does. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Let me ask you a question. What would, you know, if 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 um, if I will always love you is one of her most iconic moments and one of her like, I mean, worldwide. What would you say is one of your like iconic moments in your career? What's your I will always love you break dropping right into this thing? When did you feel like you hit that? Kirby enthusiasm, Monina. <laughs> Monina was a crossover. I, I was I was black famous. Yeah. Uh, but when I did Curb and played a prostitute, uh, <laughs> I became one of the most, if, if you look and people are like, who's the most uh, famous prostitute? It's going to be me and it's going to be uh, our Lun- girl. Lunell. 
Lunel from Borat, yeah. My uh, I, I, see, I was actually gonna say pretty woman. You said Lunel. Yeah, Julie Roberts, right? I, I give a fuck up, dude. All right, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Lunel okay. and Borat, like just that. She made dude, a whole goddamn. Cr- that's she right. Made- Lunel was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but you're right. You're right. No, no, no. You're right. Fucking no, Julia Alina, Roberts. <laughs> Lunel, Julia Roberts. I think famous. If we, if somebody was like, who are the famous prostitutes? <laughs> no, I, I, but on, realistically, I think yours, I think yours and Julia Roberts are definitely just bore out with such a big movie. Uh, and she was able and she was able to make a, a, an incredible career out of doing that. And she's worked nonstop. And Julia Roberts is obviously, you know, one of the biggest actresses of all time. But but like when I saw that we were booking the guests for this and I had my friend Mateo and 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 then Emily was like, was like, oh, we have Kim. I was like, fuck Mateo. Like, I want to sit down and talk to you. Tell me about that experience. Tell me about the casting. Tell me about what was like shooting with Larry. How much you get to play around. Like, like when you get that audition for Kirby Enthusiasm at that time, I mean, it's a big show because you're getting Larry David post, you know, Seinfeld. This is his first project. I'm pretty sure it was like the second or third season, if I'm not mistaken. So, so what was that like? What was that like getting the getting the call for this audition from your agent and playing a prostitute? Completely honesty. I'm going to be very transparent. Be transparent on your on your podcast. You about to get the real real. Hit it. Uh, Monina and curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> One thing in this business that I tend to do, while other actors and comedians they do their research and they're up on everything. You can ask Caroline Ray, she'll tell you right now. I know no one. I don't know their names. I don't know what they do. It has saved me a many, a many a day. Because yeah. what happens is people put fear. When you put people on a platform and you think that they are all this and all that and people make them, you, you can't help it. Your body has a little bit of fear in you and uh, or anticipation or anxiety or whatever it is. Um, I remember watching, I didn't, I wasn't a, a, San, a Seinfeld watcher. I watched it, but I didn't look and say, who are the credits and who's who? Yeah. I saw the people, but I was like, okay. And I will credit that to my career of working so much. I literally went to the audition off another show. I was working and my agents asked if I can go on my lunch break to audition for this, uh, for Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I had, you know, my neighbor, David Keckner, had been on it and he lived across. So I went to Dave, you know, Dave Keckner from Anchorman. Oh yeah, it's my, that's my homie. Everybody you're mentioning, oh, okay. I, I, these are all my homies, yeah. Okay, good. So Dave was breaking it down to me and I was like, I, I gotta go on this audition. They had told me about it. They hadn't set the time or anything. And Dave gave me the best advice. He said, have have things in your quiver. Now, first of all, I want to say, Dave, I don't know what a quiver is. Yeah, what's a quiver? It's just so, you know, the thing you pull out your sword. The arrows. Yeah, yeah. Your arrows, right, your yeah. thing. So uh, I was like, okay. I was like, so I should have prostitute stuff in there. He said, yeah. <laughs> then I went, I said, how do you get prostitute stuff? I had to go find a pimp. So who's a pimp? Cat Williams. So then yes. I went to Cat Williams. I said, I said, Cat. I need some prostitute stuff to put it in my quiver because Dave said I need stuff in my quiver. So Kat 
put the prostitute stuff in my quip, you know, uh, lollipop love, you know, just the things that, you know, you yeah. being slick. I said, okay, thank you, cat. Then I went to Buddy Lewis, another comic. And I said, if I run up into this, what should I say here? So I put all this stuff in my quiver, right? I'm ready. Now they asked me to go to the audition. I had seen Kirby Enthusiasm, it had just come out. Yeah. And I used to laugh. I said, who this little white man, he funny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how, yeah. I, and, I, and I told him this, this is what's so crazy. I told Larry this, he was like, what? So this is how ignorant I am. So I go in the audition from another audition but I love improv and being crazy because you don't get to do it in Hollywood. Hollywood gives you a script and you play that character. Yeah. They gave me a piece of paper, this big, small piece of paper. And it gave, it said, you're going to get in the car. Uh, Larry's going to pick you up. You're a prostitute. He's going to pick you up and you're going to go to, uh, you're going to the Dodgers game and he, you're going to find the tickets, <laughs> whatever. And, and then, you're going to tell him, let's just go. Let's yeah. fuck up. Let's go. That's yeah. your last line. Nothing else. I was like, really? I looked at it. I was sitting in the waiting room, and <laughs> which is good because I was in the waiting room with other people. Like I was in there with white guys. They were auditioning for something else because I had to do it at an off time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another time they said every black woman in Hollywood was auditioning for that part. Well, I'm glad I was not in that batch because now you're in there with all the people who you're like, oh, my God. But I'm in there with some white guys, and I'm like, okay, what I got to do? Yeah. I go you... into the um, I go into the the audition room. Larry was Larry's in a chair. It's like a car, and then you have two chairs. So Larry's in the driver's side, and I'm walking in. And they said, "This is Larry," and and Cheryl was there, and all the producers, and and they were in front. I was like, oh, oh, that's a whole audience. That's all I need, and. So Larry explained, blah, 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 this is what we're going to do. And I remember, <laughs> so Larry said, I'm going to act like I'm picking you up. And, and I, you know, I leaned over and I said some old slick stuff and I got in the car with him and I started talking smack with him and he busted out laughing. Nice. <laughs> and uh, we just, we played, we had fun. And then I said, shut the fuck up and let's go. You know, just having a ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. And, the class and I and I left and didn't think anything about it. And they called me and they said they loved you. Uh, you're gonna work on this day. And I was like, oh, okay. And so funny is Larry said, you know, every black woman in Hollywood came and read for the part. He said, but you came at an off time. They didn't come to after you. He said you had raised the bar so high in your audition. He said that everybody came after you. It, it just I couldn't even. I, you had raised it up. And uh, I said, thank you. And then we were on the set and he had a Seinfeld jacket on because, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I said, why do you keep wearing that jacket? <laughs> he was like, he said, are you kidding me? He said, I said, is it on BET? I said, I don't know why you're wearing it. <laughs> oh, my God. We were, these are not on film. This is just accurate. Oh. I was like, why are you wearing because they don't give you a script. So I don't know what the whole thing is that he's a producer. This is real. I don't know none of this. All I know is I'm a prostitute. Yeah. You picking me up. 
And I loved it because it's one trailer. So all the producers and, 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 and Larry, we're all in one trailer. I'm dressing, he's dressing. So you get to bond with people and it was fun. Um, we got in the car, we did the carpool lane. Oh my God, Larry was funny. He asked me, he said, so are you a blue comic? Like that. I was like, oh, I'm kind of blue. He's not like blue. And we just, you know, had a really good time. Uh, and even the scene uh, in Super Dave, oh my God. Let me tell you something. Now, Super Dave wore me out. Super Dave was so funny. I had no more, I had nothing else to give him. Yeah. He was chilling on me. I was like, okay, I can't take it. <laughs> so it was just really, that was the, the process. And it was one of the, the points in my career that I didn't realize. And I got on the Emmy ballot. And I remember Larry coming up to me at the HBO party. And he said, I'm so angry that you didn't win and Arrested Development came had come in. Yeah. Or whatever. But he was like, I'm, I'm just so upset. But, you know, just that changed my career. Because right after that, J.J. Abrams called me. I went over and hung out with him and just went on and on and on. So I would say that was uh, my uh, Whitney moment. Right. I there. love that. I, it's I mean, like I said, it's. You, 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 that I had seen you before, like next Friday, stuff like that. But it was, it was that role where I was like, good God. I mean, just everything you've done perfect. since has just been so perfect. And it's like to know that you, because you killed it so hard, especially that it is an improv TV show. Um, it's just beautiful. And then also to know that you, and I don't know if you probably do know this, but you and Larry shooting at Dodger stadium, there was a guy that was accused of murder or something. And he's in that shot. Have you, have you heard, how did you guys find that out? Oh my God. Larry called me in. We were doing, um, ADR, you know, you know, sometimes the sound is messed up for people sure. to stand. So I had to come in and do my voice. And Larry was like, Kim, do you know there was a guy up for murder and they asked us for this. Uh, we were viewing the, the tape and the lawyer asked if we could, you know, look over and see if he's in any of the shots. So Larry's like, we saw him. We got him off for murder. So, you know, the guy ended up suing, got a million dollars, but they were going to keep him in prison. He was in jail. His daughter was with him. She had the tickets, a little girl. She testified, but they were still holding him. So thank God for Kirby enthusiasm. Filming yeah. the State. And you know, there is a documentary on Netflix called Long Shot. And no. it's, oh, it's about the whole thing. Because I interviewed, Larry interviewed. We sit up there and talk about how this happened and the guy. And then I was at, I think, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett had a party for one of the kids at a skating rink. And he came up to me and he was like, I'm the guy from, uh, you know, that you saved our life from Kirby Enthusiasm. And I met him. Uh, so that was that was a lot of fun. I love that. I love that. I want to check that out. All right, we got to talk about Whitney or I'm going to get yelled at by my fans. Oh, Whitney, um, Whitney people, Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all. Greatest love of all. Is she, the, is like, if you had to put a route, Mount Rushmore of the greatest voices in music, um, who would who would be in your top five? Wow, you're going to put that one on me. That was good. It, thank you very much. Wow, the greatest voices. I because want... before I even get in that, so in 2023, Rolling Stone named her the second greatest singer of all time. Um, the second? Yes, Aretha Franklin came in at number one. And below, below her is Sam Cooke. 
Number four was Billie Holiday. And number five is Mariah Carey. Each and every one of them. Sam Cooke, I mean, arguably one of the, you know, from doing this podcast, we had a record of his, this live album. And you'd always hear him as like the, you know, a change is going to come. You send me these great songs of pure voice. But then there's this live record where you really hear him belt. And he like, it's a, he's a rock star. It's, it's more than he's just a crooner. And I don't think people realize that. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I argue with anybody on this list, but who would be in your top five of greatest voices that you love? Doesn't have to be the best of all time that you love. Hmm. This is, uh, okay. 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 So I will <laughs> go with, this is good. Okay. I'm gonna go Whitney Houston. Of course, the, by by the best voice ever yeah okay aretha franklin there you go now who we got aria grande are you a big fan of her music you really dig her stuff you know what i'm not even gonna say i couldn't name you one song me neither but her <laughs> voice her voice it when i hear it i always say who's that and if i can because i'm gonna be honest with you i'm not a music person so I can go, I, when I can go on and say, who is that? Uh, I'm going to go Luther Vandross. Really? Luther Vandross. Uh, and I will say, now this is going to throw you off. It's a tie between Cynthia Revo and Aloe Black. I know Aloe Black. I don't know if I know Cynthia Revo. You don't know Cynthia Arrivo? You better check her out. Uh, all right, She's I will. Actress. Stop yelling at me. <laughs> My God. <I'm>, let <laughs> She's me. an actress. <laughs> But Cynthia Rivo, Oh, yes, 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 I do know. You, you, I do exactly what you're talking about. Her voice and, and, and because she was in The Color Purple on Broadway. Yes, and she was an incredible actress. She was in that HBO series uh, where she plays, I'm, I'm always positive. And yeah, I know exactly what you're talking oh, about. Oh, wait, Love wait, her. wait, wait. Greatest voice in the world. How can wait. I forget to, we got to take somebody off. We got to take somebody off. Drop them. Without a shadow of a doubt, I'm telling you, Jennifer Holliday. Oh yeah, uh, Jennifer yeah. Holiday. Yeah, you, her, okay. Yeah, I got <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Jennifer Holiday. I'm sorry, Whitney, Aretha, Jennifer Holiday. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry, people, but you gotta Google, listen to Jennifer Holiday, because there would be no uh, Jennifer Hudson if there was no Jennifer Holiday. Because yeah. when Jennifer Holiday did that. You know that 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 the, the song and 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 then Jennifer Hudson copied the song. You got to understand, people. Okay, and then she got the Oscar for it. But Jennifer Holiday, really, she gets the accolades for that. And Jennifer Hudson, I, I love her voice too. So it, it's a it's a it's a tough. But I feel bad because they got there's some white people I like too. I feel like I, I feel like I'm being uh, over here. I, I don't have. Wait a minute. Give me a second. You got it. Let me let me bring in uh, the lighter uh, people of the world uh, that I that I absolutely think their voice is incredible. Give me give me a second. You got it. Take as much time as you want. Oh, come on, y'all. We are tripping people. Are you serious? Let's erase everything. Let's go. (laughs) Whitney Houston. Yeah. Aretha Franklin. Mm -hmm. Celine Dion. Are we tripping? Give us, <laughs> Give us one. Yeah. <laughs> Give us one. Give us one. I don't on, go man. to concerts. I don't go to concerts. I can name how many concerts I've gone in my lifetime. Probably on seven, right there, seven fingers. 
Wow. I went to, I had to see Celine Dion in person. And I got a surprise gift up in Vegas to go see her sing. And it, it ruled, didn't it? Oh. Yeah. And she's funny oh. too. And, and she's funny, right? And she's funny. Yeah. But her voice, come on now, we can't. Hop. Come on, everybody. But then we can go Andre Bucelli. We can go. We can you can go, go now. You can go on and on. Yeah, we could. Say, we could. You, could, could, you could. could say. You could say Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. People that have these. Yes. Pro- Mariah Carey. Mariah. It just keeps going. But what's funny? What's funny is with some of the greatest singers. Not not so much Aretha. Billy had a really hard time in her career. You know, and obviously it was it was you know way before you know the world really had to change. You know, Whitney has this, Whitney, I want to, I don't want to say Mariah yet because Mariah really is still working. She's still doing her thing, but Whitney has this, you know, tragic end to this incredible career where there was some place where she's the most respected, one of the greatest voices of all time. And then suddenly she, I, I mean, would you say Bobby Brown is the demise of Whitney Houston? I would not say Bobby Brown is the demise okay. of Whitney. I would say it's hard to say things because it's on the record for years. Um, people close to her could be the demise. Yeah. Uh, the person that introduced her to drugs, yeah, the demise. Bobby Brown, I feel like just got caught up in the situation. He might have been a user at the same time, also. But I don't, I don't believe it to my heart of hearts that Bobby was like, "Here, let's start doing this." Bobby Brown was already a bad boy. So he yeah. already had a reputation of a bad boy. So sure. society is already going to be like, it's Bobby, it's Bobby. Because we saw Whitney when we saw her as the perfect girl, because that's what Clive wanted us to see. Whitney is a human. Yeah. Not perfect. So I believe the combination of them together was the demise. I believe whoever introduced her in the first place, I, I think that that was the, the demise. That we really- you, no, and I, I know what you're saying, and I didn't mean just to throw it on Bobby. You know, it's like there's multiple levels to right. to life, and there's only we're only introduced to what we're seeing. But right. uh, you know, but Whitney was this perfect angel. And I mean that, like they, everything about her was just, you know, she, she was never sexualized. And I, and I think that was a beautiful thing, especially as a very attractive woman, when most of the time in your career, cause look at, like you mentioned Ariana Grande, you know, like they are, they're, they're trying to sexualize her and they're trying to make her this, this like sex kitten. And like someone like Miley Cyrus, who started as in the Whitney direction as like a, like a teen pop sensation or very, you know, 18, 19. And now she's like gone the Madonna route. Whitney was this just, you know, where, where it was, where you could be, you could be a fan of pop music and love her, but you could also be a fan of like, of like, you know, Christian music and feel that you were getting something very pure from Whitney. But it's, but what I, what I meant by all of that is just like the, you know, 
there's with that television show that had been put out, do you feel like that was something that should have been aired, you know, towards the end? Because it was like, there was a lot of stuff where, you know, we watch reality television, we watch these shows and we're like, and we're, you know, we're just enjoying these people's lives and they're, they're cutting it however they want. Did you, did you feel that was right? Like towards the end of some of the stuff on the, her, the Whitney and Bobby show, like should have been on air or do you think it's just, society just cashing in on on you know these people's misfortunes i think what you said especially early on because reality was new you know yeah. that's when it really was oh let's see all the bad stuff let's see everything and i think a lot of that now i know a lot of that should have been cut out but sometimes you don't have control if, if whitney and bobby didn't have the time or had somebody looking at the cut beforehand and say no 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 yeah. We don't need to see that. They don't need to hear that. Um, it was funny to us and fun to see, but I believe I feel like it damaged. It damaged yeah. our image of of Whitney, and it also damaged our image of Bobby because it made us really like, oh, Bobby, you know, Bobby ain't shit. That's what that did. Yeah. Uh, when we could have kept it private for for that for that show i think if they would they should have had someone in the editing room to protect them yeah uh, you know but i'm sure they cut out a lot i'm pretty oh. sure they probably, they probably <laughs> the stuff we didn't see yeah. they probably cut out yeah. a lot of stuff and like look we gotta leave something yes rock everyone i'm hal schwartz and i'm flynn mcclain together we host none but the brave a podcast dedicated to the music and career of bruce springsteen Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. I just I don't know why she. Well, I don't know why they would do that though. Especially, or there's not somebody like. I don't think they either. One of them had like really money problems. I mean, she's a, a multi multi million uh, single selling artist and albums. Bobby had an incredible career with New Edition. It's like, you know. I'm I'm just shocked that like somebody wouldn't step in and be like, eh, you guys just make another record. Somebody convinced them. Somebody convinced them to do this. And you know, doing reality shows sometimes it's fun. You don't you don't think about the bad stuff. You're like, oh, the TV's gonna follow us. Yeah, they're gonna see our lives and how much I love Bobby and my kid. You don't think about the bad when they edit it together. You know how it can look and what they take out and what they put in and and I. I feel like Bobby and Whitney did it because they, you know, they're like, hey, we're not cutting any albums right now. Let's have fun. You know, sometimes you get out of the public eye and you want to be back in it. It's a, it's, that's a drug. You, yeah, you know, no, you're right. You're right. Fame is. is, yeah, fame. And, and look, it's like she wasn't the Whitney Houston of the 90s. You know, it, it's music changes, what's popular. You know, same thing with, with, with comedy and acting. It's like whatever's hot now might not be hot in a few years. But but ultimately, what I'm trying to get to is, do you think the ending of Whitney's career in life tarnishes the beauty that was preset before it? 
I feel like I, I feel like it did in the beginning when Whitney first passed away. You were still just in the the end of the things that were going on with her. Yeah. So when it first happened, you're like, oh, whatever. But now that's gone in the past, and I believe I believe, and I know that Whitney's greatness surpasses all her mistakes. Yeah. I, I really believe that she is such a great singer and how she began and her climb to fame is so strong. And like you said, the princess, the perfectness, the beauty, all of that, when it gets to the end, you kind of like, yeah, yeah. Because there's so many people out here doing so much worse. I mean, there, there are people out here who are yeah. ruining their careers. There are people out here doing all kind of horrible things. Yeah. So what that was back then, and I, I hope that people see the the beauty of her life and her music and and really what she went through, because it's hard to go through all of that, that and stay perfect. Yeah, for sure. Really is. So yeah. we just happen to put cameras on the imperfect. And yeah, it's it's it, it, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think instantaneously as as like it was unfolding and then her passing and, it, you know, people are going to make jokes because, you know, that's unfortunate with society is that the people that can't, you know, want the people that that can to to fail so they can feel better about themselves. Not everybody, but people love watching a star fall. Um, oh, they they and, love it, and I think the moment when she was with Diane Sawyer, who, I think that was a bad moment, you yeah. know, because that is the joke that goes that lives on forever, and you don't remember the rest of the interview because of her one crazy little statement. So it's very hard for a person to. It's very hard to to keep up the pretending because she was just being real. Like she's just saying something yeah. because if you knew Whitney or you ever hung out with Whitney, Whitney wasn't the person that you saw that princess and that, Oh, da, da, da. Whitney was real. Whitney was, Hey, what you want to do, Kim? Let's go. You know, I mean, she talked like, you know, she was fun. Yeah. She was not the princess person, even though she was a princess, like she was great and all of that, but she, that holding that up, hold, that's like me, uh, holding, holding me up. And I am, you know, loud, crazy, Trying to be somebody that I'm not yeah. that long. And then, you know, when you close the door, I can be myself. And I think that moment with Diana Sawyer, she's like, you know what? I've been doing this too long. I'm going to slip. And she slipped. Yeah, yeah she did. I mean, but you gotta, don't forget, man, just you know, Whitney Houston's just, just a girl from Newark, New Jersey. It's a yes. tough, that's a tough area to Big grow city. up. It's a, <laughs> yeah. Um, catch me there on Saturday, opening up for Bill Burr at the Prudential Center, everybody. I know this is not coming out in time, but. Oh, no, that um, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's great. I love it. I just saw Wu Tang there too, so I'm excited because you oh, yeah. know. Wait, wait, wait. Where where is this now? Newark, in Newark, in Newark, at the Prudential Center, the oh, uh, the arena, the hockey arena. There, I'm opening up for Burr for Bill uh, Burr. Of course, it's at the hockey arena. Arena, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say no, the club, look, the arena. Look, no, look. Here's the deal, and I and I think 
you know, before we get into our final questions, because we got to get you out of here, it's like, I, I, I didn't, you have to bring up the bad to talk about the good, you know, when you're talking about the good, because like, it's like, unfortunately, her life has a period on it. And we're, what we're talking about today is the beginning of this beautiful, beautiful career. And I think, like you said, in the moment, it, yeah, dude, we're going to talk about and make fun of that interview. But when you really look at Whitney now, I don't think anybody gives a shit about that interview. We talk about that. Dude, I don't go back to watch the interview oh, three weeks ago. I, I, when I listened to this record for the first time, I went back and listened to the national anthem. I went back and li- I went back and watched her either at the Grammys or whatever it was where she sang, I will always love you. So I could see that moment. And, and, you know, when I think of her, I don't think of the end. I think of, I think of just how beautiful oh, she was. How it, middle, yes. Just how great she was. And, and look, I, this isn't, I listen to everything. This was such a fun listen for me to like, you know, I was driving from DC back up to New York and I'm just like, I'm like, let me put on this Whitney record. And I'm, I mean, I'm just like, you know, that great is love. Yes. I'm in it. I'm singing it. I'm feeling it. This was a fun one. This was a fun well, one. And- it, you know, and it was so so cute, Joshi, that I, I I look at is that if we look who is our princess now, Beyonce, yeah. another great voice. Here we go. Beyonce is so perfect. If Beyonce fell off, we would lose our mind. Lose so our shit. we would lose it. But yeah. she, because she's put up, she's one of the greatest entertainers out there. Be, look at her life. Like she is walking in a perfect, perfect path. If Beyonce fell off, we pass out. We would, yeah. how the <laughs> hell did that happen? It's, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing, you know, what we see. And I'm sure Beyonce sitting in her pajamas, sometimes scratching, you know, like us, like she's a regular person. <laughs> she doesn't, I do. She doesn't have a perfect life either, man. I mean, she put out lemonade. I mean, that's basically airing out all of her dirt about what the situation between her and Sean. And I mean, you know, nobody's life is perfect. And I think, I, I think, you know, like I said earlier, it's this Whitney Houston is just this girl from New Jersey that, that got a really good break and has a God given talent, but she's still a human being. And we, you know, some of us make mistakes and can stop it before they get too bad. Or some of us just go down the road and through mistakes, they, they end the way this ended, but I'm telling you, it's like, I, I, you know, I almost forget that she's gone because of how great the stuff that she left behind was. And she's not all that. Nobody thinks about the crap. Nobody's watching the interview. We're, we're listening to her music and we're going to continue to listen to her music until the day we move on. So, I, I mean, I, I love her. I'm a, I'm a Whitney Houston fan moving forward this point on. No one's got a better voice and you are phenomenal to have on this today, Kim. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you these questions. I ask everybody, if you want to pull the track listing up, uh, Jer, so she can take a look at them. Um, I ask every guest this, Uh um, what is your favorite song on this record? Uh, Okay. Pull them up. There you go. There we go. Oh, come on now. That's not, that's not fair. It's a lot. My favorite one. Uh, You got to pick one. Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, they ain't gone it. Uh, I would say probably. Dang, that's this is horrible. No, it's not uh, horrible. No, this it, is this is like because listen, too many. Okay, this, let's go. Oh, you got I, it. Saving all my love for you. There it is. All right. I'm I'm gonna go with uh, greatest love of all because 
I, I teared up listening to it, you know, and, and also, like I said, the Eddie Murphy stuff, it's just such an iconic song. Now, this is a this is a loaded question. Uh, what song do you dislike or what song do you tend to skip over if you're listening to this record? Is there any of them? Uh, dang, I like that. Those are good. Uh, <laughs> uh, I might skip over someone for me. Okay. I, I kind of got tired of the Jermaine Jackson song, but you know, big ups to Whitney giving Jermaine some love, dude. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Give give him some shine. Michael gets too much and Janet. Yeah, that's right. Give it to Jermaine. Who's more wait, here's a question. Who's more important to music? Janet Jackson or Whitney Houston in the in the eighties, eighties and nineties? Who do you do you who do you Ooh. go to? Are you team Janet or are you team that's a Whitney? Great question. <laughs> oh, that's hard. Because that's right when the time when they was both and Janet popping. was doing they was popping. Yeah. So for the culture, ah. Yeah, for the culture. For the culture, I, this is hard. I might go with Janet. Yeah, I, I, I just I just went to go see her live at Madison Square Garden. And from doing this podcast, we did Velvet Rope and Rhythm Nation. I, I am, oh, dude, I would die for Janet. I love her <laughs> so much. A good I, person too. Good family, good person. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, but it's just like her music. It's the same thing. They're both doing, they're, they're singing about real shit. They're singing about their, you know, their experiences. They're trying to help people with their music. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So you know, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Janet, but either, but either or flip a coin, just yeah, when I'm, whatever I'm in that day. You and Janet too, see? Right. This is this is a loaded one. I'm gonna try to clean this up because uh -oh. uh, because <laughs> I'm not gonna be me. Can you can you make love to the Whitney Houston debut album? Can you can you get get your freak onto this record? Uh yeah. I think I I think you could. I I really think you could. On a couple of the greatest love of all, I'm not gonna be in the in the <laughs> position. Not doing. <laughs> That ain't that ain't good for me. No, I can't. It's a, it's a little. It's a little too gospel. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right. Uh, and what would be your elevator pitch to get someone to listen to this record? What would you say if you had a couple minutes, not even minutes, a couple of like lines of sentences to be able to get somebody to listen to the Whitney Houston debut album? Oh my God, I would say, do you like music? I said, you want to hear? <laughs> you want to hear something that's gonna touch your soul? That's gonna make you tingle inside? I was like, you got to listen to the Whitney Houston debut album. And you, it got something for everybody in everybody. your family. Everybody. And here's $10 to make you listen. <laughs> you're going to pay for them on iTunes. I love it. I, I basically say the same thing. I, I would say, you know, this is the birth of Honest to God, the greatest voice that might have ever walked this earth. And and it really is. It really, really is. Damn, yours Can, was already good. Damn, you said the bird. I've been doing this too long. Wow. I've been doing this podcast for five and a half years. Like I, I can't tell you how many people said, Do you like <laughs> the open with you like music? All right, good. I love that. That's the question they got. <laughs> Wait a minute, stop. Is that what I said? I <laughs> yeah, said you did. Like, you're, like, you're like the fourteenth person that let me ask you. You you like okay. you like you like yeah. instruments all combined together you know when making a <laughs> First of all, I would get on the elevator and say, Do you speak English? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which floor which floor is the dermatologist? Oh, twelve. All right, let me ask you. You like music? 
You do? <laughs> All right, good. Kim, please promote away. Anything you want to promote, you mentioned at the beginning, but just tell us once again what's going on and where oh they can find gosh. you. Oh, my gosh. You can follow me on social media across the board at Kim, K-Y-M, Whitley, W-H-I-T-L-E-Y. I have a show on Bounce TV every Saturdays uh, called Act Your Age. Um, very funny. 30-minute uh, sitcom. And uh, if you have Audible, please go to Kim, K-Y-M, and listen away to all those series, to that series. And um, I actually, uh, Two Funny Mamas podcast on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts also with me and Sherry Shepard. So there we go. I love it. I love it. Thank you, darling, for coming on. I can't thank you enough. This was so much fun. Thank you, guys. You're the best. Thank you. That was good. Now I got to go turn on some Whitney Houston. Watch out, watch out, Paca. The one and only Kim Whitley. Uh, check out her new show, Act Your Age on Bounce. Listen to her Two Funny Mamas podcast with Sherry Shepard and check out her Audible original, Kim. You can follow her on all social media at Kim Whitley. K-Y-M-W-H-I-T-L-E-Y. All right. So for new music, we have singer-songwriter Fletcher, and you're listening to the song Conversations from the 2022 record, the second album. And you can find links to the music on our website, The 500 Podcasts. Send us your song. Send us your song. Send us your song, and we will play it. Next week, Craftwork, we got a guest. We got a guest that we've been trying to get for so long and has agreed and canceled so many times that I, I'm, we haven't recorded it yet, so it might not even happen. So I might be completely wrong, but I'll tell you right now, if it happens, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to say, dude, you canceled three times. Craftwork Trans Europa Express. I'm going to put it on right now because I dig this shit. It's from 1977. Do your homework. Thank you for tuning in. And um, yeah, see you next week.
Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Next Chapter Podcasts.